Hi there, you're listening to the Simp Investing Podcast, where we discuss everything finance or business related. So Simp stands for Simplified Integrity, Meaning and Prudence. You can find us on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts. And don't forget to give us a follow on Instagram at Simp Investing. So just a disclaimer before we officially begin, we'd like to put out that the information and content discussed does not constitute to financial advice and serve only for educational or entertainment purposes. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the podcast episode. Today, we have the pleasure of talking to Celeste Chang, correct? Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, okay, so Celeste is a marketer at VMware. She's worked at multiple marketing roles in the past as well. And uh, yeah, we just want to understand um, how, the, how did you get to this stage now, Celeste, also, and I guess tell us about uh, your background and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay, sure. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Celeste. I'm currently a digital marketer at VMware and I do demand generation. So we mostly bring in top of funnel as well as middle of funnel leads to the company. And then they will go through our marketing funnel and be converted in the end to generate source pipeline. Um, I guess when I got to where I am today, started off with like a simple question that I had when I was 16 years old. I was retargeted with clothes ads on the internet and I was very curious, like how did they personalize my email and know what were the clothes that I was looking at? So that got me really curious and I went on to do my first digital marketing internship in an Australian um, peer-to-peer lending company. And it was, I guess, yeah, demand generation also came mostly from digital marketing, if not TV. So that made me really interested and I learned a lot more about digital marketing then. And yeah, I just tried different things to, to continue with that. Yeah. Okay. Um, what you said, you said, uh, you said demand generation, right? Yeah. Uh, so you're getting people from awareness stage down to middle funnel. Is that basically your entire role? Uh, yeah, so mostly getting people from the awareness stage to the education consideration phase, yeah. Okay, and do you, are you the one clicking the buttons, uh, paying for the media and running the media, or are you like overall top-down strategy, thinking about the angles and stuff that you just give to the execution team? Uh, yeah, we don't do, really do execution in-house, so it's more of um, planning the strategy, deciding how we want to allocate our media spend, and um, the agency will execute, yeah. Okay, um, I know you have different experiences, right? You've been in public sector, private sector, you sold B2B software, physical products, et cetera, et cetera, right? So now you're selling software, intangibles and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. How, I'm, I'm sure, I know VMware is very strong uh, in the branding side of things already, but mm-hmm. how do you generate um, leads? How, what is your process like? How does that look like? Okay, so I think, first of all, um, you need to understand that when we're selling software, we're looking at selling to IT decision makers. So, um, for different product suites that we have, our target audience is different. So we try to generate personas around what are all these um, different target audience that we have. And then from there, we understand, we do market research and we also understand what, what are the products that are looking for, um, what are our competitors offering and how are we superior to them. And then we reach out to all these IT professionals um, at places where they will be doing their research if they are planning to take on an IT project. And there are different, um, some strategies, I think common strategies that tech companies use would be contest syndic- uh, content syndication, webcast syndication, this and that. So you would put out your content out there for these decision makers to read up about your offerings. And then from there, they will see if it's a good feed. And if they are curious, you try to nudge them to go on to um, watch your webinars, learn more about services before you call them down and understand what are their needs and schedule further meetings with them so yeah 
Okay. How does the, your question? <laughs> how you said everything's outsourced, right? So technically, you don't do any execution. So how? Mm-hmm. Uh, what is involved? What do you actually put in in an uh, strategy plan? Okay, so the strategy. Um, we have the high level strategy that is rolled down from global. So we have two types of. Um, I think also most tech companies would have two kinds of accounts: enterprise as well as commercial. So the strategy for enterprise accounts and commercial accounts is slightly different. Commercial accounts are smaller um, firms. And essentially you will work because different teams would have different KPIs, different products and different KPIs, different markets and different KPIs. So you work with the stakeholders in these different markets as well as products to see how much pipeline you want to generate at the end of the day. Then you work backwards and see how should you allocate your media spend look at historical um, performance of your past media channels and see what kind of media mix you want to use. So I think that is like the strategy. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and uh, so does, um, for example, like you, you're working with the agencies to do, right? So for example, if mm-hmm. you need to do SEO, someone needs to run Facebook or Google site, for example. So it's like, do you just say, okay, we've got hundred K to spend. You go and spend it as efficiently as possible. Or you incentivize, how do you incentivize better performance from the agency site that you're outsourcing to as well? Right, right. Okay, so actually paid search is performed in-house and we used to, or at least my my team used to do paid search before I joined, but we stopped because we realized that we we're competing against keywords within like the company itself. So now there's a centralized paid search team and I guess incentives to, um, there isn't really incentives to the agency, but we, we just see which company delivers like great, um, the lowest cost efficiency and that's how we go about. And every quarter we will do a review of our performance yeah okay so what information is in the plan <laughs> or like what because uh-huh. you're you're combining all the things right and then you're like passing off to okay someone can you go and execute mm-hmm. our plan for us so what exactly is that information if that makes sense okay so what are the assets in the plan and what are in the plan is it yes yeah. okay um so first of all maybe what is in the plan would be to tell um the agency what what's the aim of this campaign that we're doing? Like, so for example, to, to increase um, consideration among our target audience and also who the target audience is. And we would also provide them with like a target account list if we have. Our personas that we are looking for, job titles that we're trying to look out for. Um, and also provide them with the assets because we already know what kind of strategies we want to run. So we'll provide them with all the assets that they need to run it. Yeah. Okay. Would you say majority of spend is going to um, do, do you only focus on paid, search, paid, paid social, like uh, paid media sort of things? Or are you also um, controlling the content writing, the editorial, and then you're overseeing that part? Because the SEO okay. side of things, yeah. Yeah, um, we don't really do content writing because we mostly share white papers that are written together with um, our partners. So we don't really do content writing. And when it comes to paid media, we also don't really do paid social because I think this is the difference between like B2B as well as B2C, right? Yep. Like people, IT decision makers won't really make a decision to buy your product through like a paid social ad. So we do more um, paid media in the, te- in the form of content syndication or webcast syndication. Like download gated white papers yep. and then read on more. And if interested, um, you get invited, get put into our email nurtures and then yeah, get invited to webinars and whatnot to learn more about products. Understood. So, but isn't that just a lead generation campaign? And should yeah, you, yeah. yeah, aren't you running, uh, you still can run Facebook and social on, on that, right? We do, we do, yeah. yeah. 
yeah, we do run Facebook as well as um, LinkedIn ads when we want to drive like registrations for some of our webinars or whatnot. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Got it. Uh, Branson, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, because I'm, I'm not a very um, marketing kind of guy, so I don't <laughs> really know the high level questions. So I'm going to dumb things down a lot more. Sure, sure. Actually, uh, I just want to know like, actually, what does. Uh, because nowadays, I think marketing they entail a lot of an, an analytical work, mm. a lot of uh, uh, maybe even some even is there even some form of coding involved, like uh, okay. data stuff. So actually, I want to know like uh, for the modern day uh, marketer, as opposed to those in the past, like what what are actually some of the uh, things that you guys do specifically in? Because I, I would like to understand in a more broad mm. scale, like in B two C and B two B, like uh, what uh, you guys do uh, different than what I think a normal marketer does like from, from a normal non-marketing guy perspective. Okay. Um, I think maybe for B2B marketing or specific to B2B marketing in a tech firm, I guess we are super obsessed with um, what is our return on investment on spend and what is, um, what is the pipeline that we're generating from this marketing activity. So I guess some literacy that you need to have would be understanding how to read dashboards and also coming up with like dashboards that can communicate um, the returns of your investment and the returns of your media spend and also uh, liaising with different stakeholders to tell them like, hey, why should you put money into, into me and not run another campaign or do a like face-to-face campaign for something else because we generate this, this, this return for you. Um, okay, and when it comes to B2C marketing, I think in my personal experience, I felt that there isn't so or at least because I worked in an FMCG firm previously, I think a lot of uh, media spend that we spend on is like on physical channels, um, like things that you see in the supermarket and whatnot. So you can't really measure the return on investment. And even if we run um, campaigns on Shopee or, or whatnot, it's kind of like just a sideline to the business. It's not the main focus um, of the business, at least digital marketing. So when it comes to marketing physical products, I think it's just generally seeing whether your sales pick up after you run a certain campaigns. But, and you do like maybe Nielsen market research to see if um, there's an uplift in like um, consumers' preference for your brand and whatnot. But yeah, I guess B2B marketing cares a lot more about return on investment on your marketing spend in a more scientific way. Yeah. So the... Um... That's how when you mentioned the data visualization platforms, right? Uh, what what are some examples? Is it like Tableau, uh, BI? Yeah, kind of Tableau, Power BI. Um, I, w- I wouldn't say Salesforce is one, but you can also build like some simple dashboards and stuff on, on Salesforce. Yeah. Oh, I see. Uh, so that's what you use, huh? Do you use Data Studio or what? Uh, we, not, not with uh, VMware. We don't use Data Studio. We use Tableau as well as Power BI. Oh, okay. So, I was, I was about to like want to talk about the success matrix. So, from mm-hmm. B2B, it's more of a ROI, like operation efficiency kind of thing. Then, for B2C, it's more of the non direct matrix, like maybe sales and stuff like that. You can't really directly track how well. Uh, yeah, I think it's, it's still like profit, just how, how well and easy can you track and tag this return on investment to your media spend. Oh, so um, perhaps uh, so as a marketer, the day in the life for both will be, uh, I I would imagine vastly different. This one on one side you have to work a lot on more data, on the other side you work a lot more like I would say campaigns. Is it? 
So yeah. So uh, in the day it, in your life, how would mm-hmm. it be like? Like first, since you both work both sides, I really, I'm someone who doesn't have a lot of marketing friends, so I'm really keen to know like what right. what you guys do on a daily basis. Yeah. I think for B2C and an FMCG firm specifically, there's a lot of liaising with people from the supermarket and also people from the plant because um, your marketing activities are dependent on whether that new product launch will be launched on time, whether um, the logistics and supply team is able to deliver that product to, to this market on time and whatnot. And also getting the supermarkets to commit to leaving you shelf space for you to display that product. But I think for tech, it's like, it's a bit different because the product is kind of already there. They will continue working on product improvements. And if there's new launches, they'll inform you. Um, then you start creating assets around that to, to market that product. Um, yeah, but B2B marketing, or at least in VMware, day-to-day, we will liaise us with the different solutions leads as well as the different field marketers. So solution leads are people that take care of each product solution. Field marketers are people in each country. So you need to kind of talk to them, see um, how they are performing in terms of region as well as each product solution and then tweaking your your um, additional media spend accordingly. Yeah. So let's just, because um, you're, you're pushing a lead gen campaign, you go webinar yeah. and then you call to action to book a call with the SDR or the sales guy, right? Whatever. Mm. So for that side, is, does iOS hurt you at all? Or is it because your AOV is just so high, like you couldn't care less, right? Your, Increase in uh, CPA is just like plus 20%. Who, who, who cares? <laughs> I got so much more back end to sell to the customer recurring anyway. Right, right, so right. So does, does that affect that at all? Or like, yeah. Um, I think it, I guess when, when you think about how much like your, how much each deal is valued, then it doesn't get, get yep. like we're not so, so conscious about like, the cost for acquisition per customer, as long as it delivers um, returns. And sometimes it's really a hit or miss. It's like you can run a campaign and then there's no return on investment in this campaign. You can run another campaign and suddenly you have like 200, 500,000 of return from that campaign. So um, I guess we are really just more interested in pushing and making sure there are a lot of like leads in the funnel so that as you go down the, yep. the marketing funnel, you still have some like left at the end of it. I hope I'm answering your question. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember there's just one time uh, I was doing lead gen for B2B as well as tech for mm. like cybersecurity and stuff. And then mm. it's like uh, the issue that they always had is like the sales guys always complain the leads suck, right? Then the leads guys I, always I, complain, <laughs> right? So like this thing, I like how does the I know I know the correct thing to do is actually get the feedback from the sales guy and then find yeah, out what yeah, the objection yeah. is and then bring it back into the marketing yeah, message yeah, on the yeah. copy side. But how your like massive company, right? How do you do that? Right, okay. So we, we track the re- reasons for like rejection of a lead on Salesforce. But I guess the issue that we are also facing right now is that sometimes people just flag it out that it's a non-demand gen lead. And you're like, what does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, what do you mean that it's a non-demand gen lead? So we would have interlocks with um the, the sales team. Okay, we also have something called business development reps. So it's even before the... Business development reps are people that work on our demand gen leads. Sales team is like, after yeah. this business You're development. Talking face-to-face, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so you just try to understand from them why why the leads are um, of lower quality and try to find out from them what kind of campaigns generate better leads. Yeah. And then try to tweak and also feedback to the agency like, hey, you know, we've been receiving feedback that people from um, this like 
campaign are of the lower seniority and they're not able to make this kind of decisions. Can you tweak um, the target audience a little bit, that kind of stuff? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, yep, I have a question actually about product versus marketing. Um, mm. Because I, I've seen like a lot of videos online like from those like um, big companies, some of them, the founders, they talk about how important the product is in selling itself. Do you think product as a feature or marketing, which one uh, stands out more in terms of getting leads? Even leads, for example, it's not talking mm-hmm. about converting, like uh, features or I, marketing. Right, right. I think leads, I mean, if you do good marketing, generally you can get leads, but the quality of the leads will be questionable if um, if the product sucks, right? It's like maybe, I, I guess if the product sucks, then you can market and you can lie about or you can try to come up with fanciful stuff to market the product. But if the customers eventually study more and learn more about the product and they realize that it sucks, then you're wasting marketing dollar generating all these leads that come in and they won't convert eventually. So I think you do need to, if you really want to see um, pipeline at the end of the day, you need to have a great product that people will convert to. Then as you generate um, like top and middle of funnel leads, they will eventually convert. So it's, it's like a mix of both. But if you have a great product and you don't know how to market, then people also don't know how good you are. And it's also a waste, right? So uh, actually when you talk about pipeline, do you mean like a uh, like pipeline of leads to reach out to? Like, uh, or... Oh, okay. uh, I, I think pipeline to us or the way we, we consider pipeline would be just in a way conversion and like the annual contract value, the booking value and your final amount oh. generated from that yeah so the entire uh, so from lead generation all the way to conversion right, usually is there a lot of effort involved the timeline is it very long as compared to like say uh, B2C I think when I see like um, YouTube ads I like the product I just click and buy yeah 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 <laughs> I think that's a very that's a, a very different thing like for B2C it's very easy for you to see the results of your campaign but for B2B because the decision making timeline is way longer sometimes it takes like more than a quarter for, for a deal to close so I guess that's why when we look at our return on investment we also try to see um, like expected to close what's the amount in the pipe that's expected to close in the next quarter and whatnot and sometimes um, we also face this issue where campaigns that we run in this quarter don't really generate returns in the current quarter but it generates returns in the subsequent quarter so sometimes people think like oh you spend marketing dollars and you're wasting it but if you actually look back then you see hey all these efforts are generating pipeline eventually so that's also something we are working on to communicate to the stakeholders yeah okay uh so i'm very used to uh, advertising to like tier one uh, Western countries. Okay. I think, I don't know, like Western people are much more easy to sell to. And then I also, I did Asian campaign before, but then it's mm. like, I, I don't know, I just not good at it. <laughs> or like, I cannot resonate in the message. So I guess right, right. my question, because you are APJ, right? Asia Pacific, yeah. Japan. So I guess what's your experience with that? Um, I think there are some markets in Asia where you will generate a lot of like respondents and leads, top of final, middle of final. But later as you go down, right? <laughs> there will barely be people that convert so there there are some markets that look like very good at the start then later when you look towards the end of the quarter never close enough deals um there are also markets that take longer to to longer close cycles i think japan is one market that we saw that takes a longer time on average than other um apj markets to close the deals but that's okay because you know that this is the way the the market is 
Um, and I think markets like Korea, Singapore, um, it's quite normal. I, I don't know why, but I think co- the Korean market is like quite interesting. It's also similar to the Singapore market because they are quite receptive to, to your, your marketing messages. And if you nudge them down your pipeline, they kind of just follow you yeah. like through the pipeline. They're quite receptive to your message and stuff. So if your question is like success in APJ marketing, I think that really needs to be localization. Yep. For for yeah the messaging the content and the approach you reach out to the people. Uh, do, do you think they are more receptive, right? Because I I, I know in B two B is always free report, right? It is that free thing, and then the Asian thing is that oh I'm damn gasu, so I need this free thing right now. Is that why? And then you you think that thought funnel way I'm doing great, and then you push down and it's like hey why is it not converting? Is that yeah yeah I, I okay. think that there could be a part of that yeah. And some, there are some markets where people just download, right? Because like, there's, there's free stuff, why not? Just download yeah. first. Then, yeah. yeah. Even if it's not relevant, at least I download it first to see what it's about. Yeah. Okay. Can. I know VMware is a big company. So you guys sell multiple SKU, different products as well, right? Mm. So how do you determine? Is it you build out separate landing pages, separate funnel for each customer suite and stuff like that? Um, like how does that go about? Okay. So uh, we have different product solutions and we have an overarching strategy that applies to all the product solutions that we have. So there are some focused product solutions. There are some that are like catalog. So it depends on each, whether the market wants to adopt it or not. Um, but generally the marketing funnel is the same, just that the assets are different because after you um, generate leads, they all fall into the same marketing funnel where they'll be called down. If they are qualified to become a lead, then they become a marketing for qualified lead. And you pass them on to sales and you do deal, pursue an acquisition before you close the deal. So in terms of the funnel, not so much difference in that, but assets definitely different and um, different markets also have some creativity as to what kind of campaigns you want to run mm. for these different product solutions. Yeah. Okay. And for the products itself, right? How do you, um, just how I do it is like, okay, I just see conversion data. I see which one has the highest purchase value in the, in the past. Then I just uh, ram the most ad spend towards the, uh, okay, that's basically okay. it. <laughs> it's like blind, right? Just do what works and do it 10 times more, basically. So like, right, how do right. you guys determine to allocate those marketing dollars? Do you just like, okay, let's just give everyone a fair shot and you just A-B speed test and see which one performs better or, yeah. Okay, I, I think there is a more um, strategic direction to this because now we are moving towards uh, a, like a SaaS kind of like, um, format and we are also trying to to sell more of our multi-cloud products and try to establish ourselves as a, like a multi-cloud leader so there are definitely some products that may not generate as much pipeline in the past but we are trying to focus on them and there are some products that we know are our like winners that has always yep. been delivering great returns all along so those we may not focus so much attention on them because we know that people will already come to know of them so um, I guess that's that's one consideration when it comes to what product to, to market with. Sorry, what's your question again, the second part? Um, how do you determine like how to allocate the marketing dollars? So you know that uh, this right. one's clearly competing. Yeah. Okay. Um, when it comes to deciding how to allocate your market dollars to the different product solutions, I think a lot of the this guidance comes from what are the targets that is set by the business. So that is out of our control, right? Because the business tells us that there's some products to prioritize and whatnot. But when it comes to prioritizing um, our market spend, our media spend on the channels, then we will see historically which are the channels that convert. And we have different like KPIs in the firm and different metrics to calculate this KPI. And sometimes it's not so much of like conversion or just return on investment. They care about 
other metrics such as net new contacts um, and, and whatnot. And you need to see which product or which channel would generate more of that. Then you tweak accordingly. So it's not just looking at return on investment on marketing spend-ish. Okay. I, I only know VMware because uh, you use a Mac, right? Then you need the PC <laughs> to use. That's the only <laughs> product that I know of yours. Uh, yeah, correct. So like what, what else do you actually sell? <laughs> okay, we, we sell, we do security. We do networking. Um, we do multi-cloud. So for example, if you want to re-platform, if you want to re-host to the cloud um, from your on-premise to like on-cloud, you can use our services. You can use our Tanzu, our Kubernetes services to help you migrate to the cloud a lot more easily. Um, so we also have partnerships with like Google Cloud, Azure, um, Alibaba Cloud and whatnot so that your migration to the cloud is a lot smoother because a lot of our existing customers have on-premise um, yeah, they have our on-premise. They engage us for their on-premise services. So to provide you with like a seamless migration to the cloud, you can use our um, VMware services and that lowers the difficulty for our developers because you do not need to learn another language. And there's also complexities when you're managing um, different services on different clouds. So that complexity is reduced if you use VMware because we are that foundation that is... Um, that provides you with like the same experience regardless of which cloud you're using, essentially. Yeah. Okay. Um, I realize like uh, marketing is not necessarily hard. It's more like setting expectation to stakeholders so that they don't uh -huh. scold you. I don't know whether <laughs> you feel the same way. <laughs> so like, how do you, like for example, iOS happens, right? And it's like, mm. uh, hey boss, um, our marketing is negative 20% nowadays. Uh, just letting you know. Like how, how do you even communicate that? Because <laughs> it's like, it's right, out of right, your control, right. right? So it's like, what the heck, it's not my fault. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think then you need to constantly be in conversation with the stakeholders, and we also have um like weekly new not not weekly monthly newsletters where we update our stakeholders on um on how our campaigns are doing. But I think more importantly is letting them know like, hey, currently there's a downturn, but what are you expecting to do to to change it and and bring it up and okay <laughs> it's just to yeah. show that hey, we're doing something uh. <laughs> yeah 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 we're okay, doing okay. something about okay okay it. yeah okay okay got it Branson sorry um, actually I have a question uh, regarding the difference between uh, for example like in the tech firm right they are like sales team and then they are like mm. the marketing team so I think some of these people that are like, business development reps they also I think they reach out to people uh, perhaps after doing some of their own research so so uh I understand like for someone in your role like who does like um, marketing and a bit of yeah. a, I think data analytics work do you guys are you guys expected to close or is there like a actually I know because there's a fine line between these so I'll let's see your, right, your right, thoughts right. Yeah. expected to close as in like are we the ones who will call the customers is it yeah do the close conversion and all that yeah okay Um. yeah that, that is out of us even though there are like some programs in the firm where you can definitely if you know someone recommend and then if the deal close you'll get a cut of it but um, generally on our day to day we were not expected to close yeah, and the business development reps, they only call down leads that we generate from our lead gen campaigns. Whereas sales are people that will do like core blitz and they'll actively reach out to people. So um, I think their incentives are a bit different from the business development reps that call, just like do calls on our lead gen leads, yeah. So your, I think your requirement is mostly to generate um, a, a ton of highly qualified leads, yeah. right? So actually, uh, this is a dumb question, but actually what's a qualified lead? Like what are the metrics that 
determine the qualified list. Is it is it through software based or is it some like internal checklist that you guys have? Right, right, right. Yeah. So actually, this whole lead scoring process that we have in the firm, I took like quite a while to understand. We have this very sophisticated lead scoring system in our firm. Um, there's like this flow chart and everything like and whole enablement session to to do that. So basically, we qualify our leads differently for developing as well as developed markets. And then for different assets that you come in through, um, there's a lead score uh, tag to the ad, to the asset. So some, I would say for like our paid media activities, the points are way lower. So you need to hit a lead score threshold before you convert to become like an um, AQL. Even now, I think automated qualified lead, and that's when the BDRs will call you down. And then afterwards, um, if they feel, if they qualify you, then you become a tally qualified lead. And afterwards, you have like screen and scrub, then passed on to the sales. Then you become. Um, but if this lead comes from marketing activities, then you are considered a marketing qualified lead. And then sales will just help you process the leads, and in the end, you, you close. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, uh, now that I think about it, like because you guys right, we have leads all the time, but then uh, it's a B two B kind of thing. So, how how often do you guys like? screen is it for every campaign or every product or future release you have a new screening for qualified leads uh screening for, okay so this, this screening happens yeah. yeah this screening happens in the background like automatically so every time uh, a lead comes in the person's score is updated like all the time right if you oh. engage with one asset today you get 10 points and another tomorrow you engage with another asset you get 20 points and now you're a 20 point out system you qualify for um to become an aql then you will automatically get passed down the pipeline to pipe to to bds for call down so it's like a continuous funnel that happens um automatically although there are some campaigns where we need to do manual lead uploads and that's slower for those people yeah oh, so it's live huh? so the system yeah. just gets oh so you guys track stuff like, uh, for example, like a website, maybe they scroll through it or something like that. Is it impressions? Yeah. Click, we oh, check wow. everything. <laughs> <laughs> but how about yeah. those that don't actually go to the website? Like, How do you guys qualify them? Like, They could be someone who may want to use your uh, features and products, but they haven't, they don't, don't know of you yet. So mm. are they, are they, uh, they're not really qualified leads, right? case yeah they, they are not really qualified least if they're just doing that initial research and stuff then they are still considered to be in the respondent phase but if they have generated enough product interest maybe through the number of um, assets that they engage with us and whatnot then eventually they'll be reached out by like a um like a sales rep or like a oh, video yeah okay do you do lead scoring because uh what salesforce uh, or hubspot or can you hear me, Celeste? Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, yeah. Are you doing lead scoring? Like, what software are you using? Salesforce? Okay, we have our whole in own internal lead scoring system. Oh, as in, y'all built SAS just to score the lead? No, no, no. I think even before, like, we move on to SAS, we, are, we already have a lead score system in place. Even when we were doing, like, licenses and stuff. So, it's already, like, this lead scoring metric has already been in place for, like, the longest time. But now you can we can go on Salesforce to see the the scores of our of our leads. Yeah. Also, previously you're scoring manually. No, no, no. All, actually, all along it's already automated. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what, what software is scoring for you? Okay, so, yeah, we have our own in-house platform. Okay. That scores okay. the lead. Yeah. Okay, got it. Um. Okay, so I know you did pharmaceutical, right? Last time. 
So that was physical product. And then you're still selling to B2B enterprise. Um, then you did government work as well, right? Mm. So I guess which one do you like? Because <laughs> I think government is, sorry, it's pretty boring, right? Oh, no. Wait, between government and like pharmaceutical or government, pharmaceutical and like VMware tech stuff? Uh, yeah, so I guess um, among the three. La. So there's software, there's public sector, and then there's physical product, healthcare, oh, right? Yeah. right, right, right. Um, I definitely like software more. Even government, I was doing, I think GovTech, we were, GovTech, we also don't have tangible products to market, right? It's like trees together and software and live SG and whatnot. I personally like software more because physical goods is actually quite, I don't really like the idea of like Shipping. knowing that goods are literally being physically moved around and you can store them in a warehouse. If you don't sell them, they go, like they will spoil. It feels like a massive waste for me, but I think software <laughs> is like more intangible. So I like it more. And I also like, I guess like software marketing more because there's really a greater focus on digital marketing. Yep, yep. Yeah. like that and I can see the return on investment as I look at the dashboards I can see which are the leads that are like going through the pipeline whereas for um, when I did like consumer healthcare GSK sometimes you just sell the products to the supermarket and they tell you that okay I finished selling then you send me another batch of product but you don't build that personal relationship with your client you don't even know who your clients are those information are owned by the supermarket or your e-commerce partners yeah. like Watson's you as your firm itself don't actually know who these clients are. You can't nurture them through emails. You can't send them personalized message. You can only reach them out like through the air and pray that they will hear it, see it, and buy from you. Yeah. And your only indication of that is if the supermarkets get from you or not. So, yeah. Okay, I understand. Um, for tracking, right? Do you, I mean, I'm from like hardcore underground internet marketing world. <laughs> so like, I know of things like uh, Hyros or uh, Wicked Reports, which is like okay. uh, tracking software to, in Ad Manager, you can see like tracking different mm. stuff. But I'm guessing you don't use that at all, right? It's more no, like no, you build we, internal we tools. Yeah. Yeah, we have, um, we honestly for CPLs and stuff, it's like, it's you really not our main metric. Yeah. Okay, Impressions okay. or click-through rate also, we don't, those are more for like brand campaigns. For ours, our metrics are really just how much pipeline is generated from these okay. activities. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Very stress-free. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, actually, I always thought that marketing is more of an art because from mm -hmm. all the stuff I see on TV, all the campaigns, all the, all the, um, other tools, marketing collaterals that they use. But after listening to what you speak, it seems like it's more of a science and all the, all the data, all the tracking and stuff like that. So yeah. actually, in your opinion, is it more of an art or a science kind of thing? I think it's more of a science and it's actually quite logical. So for let me just give you an example. For example, if you, you, if you want to drive like a webinar registrants to, to your webcast, you have a target account list and you know who the job titles are and whatnot. But if you're thinking between LinkedIn as well as Facebook, maybe you think like people on on um, LinkedIn will, will drive like more registr registrations. But after you do AP testing and whatnot, you realize that, oh, it's not. And then maybe you want to target people on Facebook using this email list that you have. But then you realize like, hey, I mean, people on Facebook don't use their work emails, right? So even if you want to target them with their work emails, you won't reach out to this group of people. So you try to think about, oh, how I can create like lookalike audiences to target these people. And then it becomes logical. Like you put on your logical thinking cap to think like, oh yeah, yeah. So this is how I will execute this. And 
why this email list won't work, this and that. So I guess it's more of a science. But of course, the creative part also has impact. But I think less for B2B. Mostly B2C is like creative evokes more emotions in consumers and get them to add to cart now. Yeah. Oh, another another personal opinion question. Uh, do you what do you think makes a great marketer like, in terms of traits? But but I know that um B two B and B two C is probably different. So any thoughts on those? Um, I think generally it's like agility because you know that um like marketing tech or or tech just moves faster than you, right? You will never be fast. You will never move faster than tech. So always keep an open mind to um to see what's in the market and don't do be caught up with your like preconceived notions of a certain channel or whatever. Always test, like always do A-B tests to see because your opinions will always prove you wrong. Yeah. And I guess, um, wait, sorry. What was the question again? <laughs> like the, the traits of a great marketer in both oh, B2B and B2C. Yeah. Right. I think another trait is also um, being mindful of your time. I think, Actually, this doesn't just apply to marketers. I guess you need to kind of remember that the learning returns on your time must be high and always try to look out for new ways to ask yourself, find out more, look at how um, other people are doing marketing work and thinking of how you can incorporate innovation into, into what you're doing. Yeah, so stay curious. So I have a question that's like awfully specific, right? You were driving webinar registrants, right? For example. Mm-hmm. And last time I, I did that as well. But I realized, like, I was thinking about it. It's like, uh, the people who are registering for webinar, right? They're probably not a decision maker because if I'm a decision maker, uh, I ain't got time to sit for 90 minutes. Right, right, right. <laughs> right? So, like, in, does that mean that after they, they go through the content, they're indoctrinated, stuff like that, then you still have to, like, actively follow up with those emails who actually went to the webinar and then you go and try yeah. to tell them for the call. Yeah, you, you can't just get them to go for a webinar and then drop them there. You need to continue to nurture them and also... I guess you know that um, even though they may not be the IT decision makers themselves, they could be part of that buying group. So yeah. you try to influence them and um, invite them for more webinars or speak to some of their colleagues, understand what are their concerns. Yeah, so there's a lot of like follow-up after the webinar, if that's what you're asking. It's not like a straight conversion after the webinar. Okay, then because you don't handle email, do you? Uh, we handle... I how should I put it we have a team that does email but we also generate email for events yeah so we do emails for events but the email nurture for the product solution that one is more globally standardized yeah okay got it uh yeah Branson sorry go ahead yeah so I, I think a lot of people in this podcast uh hopefully they're like in the, in the early university or like uh, early career stage so yeah. actually what do perhaps you can give some advice to them, evaluate them in terms of like uh, any advice for them wanting to uh, succeed or in this career or to land internships in this uh, marketing space, especially the B2B tech because right, I think right. it's a very uh, popular space like all this Amazon sales role coming up <laughs> and marketing roles uh, yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. I think sales role quite different from marketing where I don't know if, if John agrees but nice. I feel like I, I can't do like a sales role, whether it's part- media sales or like partnership, it's quite different. But I think yeah. um, internships are relatively easier to land at. So if you're interested, go for internships. And I think it doesn't necessarily have to be big firms like Amazon and whatnot. If you look into other SaaS companies, it's also a very good like 
way to learn. I think sales marketing is like super interesting and try to look at, maybe also look at firms that are not like such big names. Yeah, I think Twilio is also quite a big name, but try to look for some of these other um, firms within the enterprise space that you may not have heard of, but they are actually great like tech firms. And when you're going for interviews, I guess just always show the company what is the value that you can bring for them rather than what you can get out of it. Yeah. So you're very involved in like paid media and like uh, active acquisition, right? But mm. I know a lot of times like the, the media mix um, is important for the non, the offline side as well. So right, can, right. can you share like how does the, like what channels can you actually go? Because when I think about it, it's okay. You buy podcasts at slots, you buy physical billboard, which doesn't make sense. Mm. Then you probably go to people who have traffic already, for example, like blogs and stuff that you just have banner placement stuff. Right? So how, right. which other channels can you, because people always think like, okay, just go Facebook and Google, right? Like what else yeah. is out there? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So I think as mentioned, there's all this like white papers that like gated content and there are specific um, websites that IT professionals go to when they're thinking about um, like whether they want to take on an IT project and whatnot. So these are specific publishers that I think if I'm in the, the IT space, you will know. I'm not going to mention the name. Is it Nielsen? No, 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 no. Oh. Um, it, it's just... They're just IT sites that the IT professionals use to, um, that they actively research on for their um, decision-making oh, process. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Then for offline tactics that we use, we also have whole like conferences because I think these are massive conferences, like in-person conferences that also generate a lot of pipeline because um, people who go to these, these like conferences, they already have an intention to do purchase. So yep. yeah. Okay. These are but some additional that, channels. Uh, no, nothing. Uh. Other channels that, hmm, I guess also, yeah, mo- it's mostly these and also partnerships, I guess. As in, not so much of like marketing, but you sell through partners. So you have partners that are actively engaging their own database to, to help you sell your products. Yeah. Okay. Can. Um, do you want to talk about your ad tech stuff or the one? <laughs> uh, I can mention a little bit about it. <laughs> I mean, if you're promoting, go ahead and promote. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tell us more on... about what. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm working on an educational video game to help students develop their problem solving and team playing skills. So it's just like a two man team. It's just my co founder and I. And we recently managed to get like the mobile version out for Android. So we'll be hold, um, holding user tests on the coming Tuesday to make sure that the, the game works well on. Um, yeah, on mobile. And I will release a link next time when um, when we're ready to publish it. But yeah, that's my little like pet project because I like to teach children on the site and I teach tuition like on the weekend. So this is just my non-work related stuff. Yeah. Okay. And what, what's this thing called? <laughs> you didn't say the name. Oh, okay. It's called Arise. That's our company name. And our game is called Emergence. Yeah. Okay. It's a game, like literally a game. Yeah, it's like a game on the mobile. Okay. And desktop, literally a video game. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay, Branson. Um, okay, so question we ask our guests. So who is yeah, the yeah. CEO that you are following? <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. I guess this CEO that I'm following is like called, I, I don't think I'm pronouncing his name correctly, like, but like Francois from um F5 Networking or F5 Inc. Now. What's F5? Um, F5 used to be like this networking company that does advanced load balancers and stuff. But I think they have changed um, recently to to expand their suite of services to also like the multi-cloud environment. 
So I think it's like kind of like a similar space as VMware. Okay. Yeah. Why and, why is this guy significant? Uh I guess firstly because the com- their company is in a similar journey as our company, right? Like dropping networking and moving on to ink to show that your company is moving on to a new phase where you're offering a whole lot more like suite of product. It's very interesting because these are like legacy firms that are trying to re-establish yep. themselves yep. in a new new age. So that itself is very interesting. And I think um, he's also like a very charismatic leader and he talks about um, how you should be spending your time wisely. He gives leadership advice and, yep. and stuff. And I think also just looking at um, how much he empowers people in his firms to go after like diversity and to just go beyond what the firm is doing. It's just kind of like good to know and nice to read every time I'm on LinkedIn and I see his updates. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I guess one more question for you, right? So, because most of the time, I don't know about you, but like you see, uh, you go in a company, you learn everything. You see how the entire marketing operation works, right? And then technically you know everything. So, for example, like uh, when you get promoted, for example, like how does your role change? Is it just like you just have more responsibility to the stakeholder? <laughs> You're just like more, yeah. How, how does that progress? I think career progression, actually, I feel it's less about doing executional work, but it transits more to like a strategy point of view. And I think every time you progress up the corporate ladder, you do less and less of like the actual work, but it's more of stakeholders management and how you manage people below you. So instead of doing the work yourself, now you need to learn how to get people to do the work below, how to get people to do the work that you need to do yourself effectively, even though you're not the ones doing it. Okay. So, which I think is very difficult because like, I can, I feel like I can definitely execute my individual like contributor job well, but to make sure that I'm able to empower someone else to do that job equally, if not better than the way I do is like difficult. And you also need to answer to stakeholders and break down major tasks into like more achievable, smaller chunks for people under you to, to execute. I think that's a difficulty. Yeah. And that's also the transition as you, as you promote. Okay. Yep. So uh, I think um, we'd like to let the audience know like, how can they reach you a little more about marketing or even more about Arise uh, when you release right. your, yeah, your game. Yeah. They can, can reach you on my LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> and the game? Will there be a website? Yes, yes, there's a website. Um, We're updating the website right now, so I'm not going to share the link. But if they want yep. anything, if they want they would like to know anything, they can just message, drop me a message on LinkedIn. I'll be happy to reach out. Or if you would like to help us with our game development, also drop me a message. We'll be very happy to have my co-founder talk to you about that. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Thank you so much for your time, Celeste, and for your generous sharing. I, I think as someone for like myself, I learned a lot more about uh, marketing today from my uh, one, direction, exactly. one directional angle. No, no, <laughs> thank no. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Thank you guys.